Agenda setting conversations of the day. Well, still so many questions coming up around what happened in Poland over the weekend and why aisle plane carrying the security detail for President Cyril Ramaphosa was blocked. Polish officials said at the time that the plane did not have the right permits and the right clearances to carry weapons. But some of the South African journalists on the plane have said the Polish officials were racist. In at least one case, a journalist leaving Poland was going through customs. He was told by officials to take his shoes off to go through the metal detector. As he did that, as he bent over, he was pushed by a Polish customs official who then laughed at him after pushing him. No white people, as I understand it, were treated in the same way. Rory Stain is a security analyst and former chief of security for former President Nelson Mandela. Rory, good morning. Morning, Stephen. Morning to everyone listening. When a security detail, a government security detail, goes from one country to another with their weapons, what kind of procedures do all of the governments involved follow to manage all of this? Firstly, that, that all of those processes, both the visiting of a head of state or head of government as well as his or her entourage, is governed by a principle of reciprocity, uh, Stephen. So if I travel to your country with my president, I understand that you are in charge of his or her security, but you understand that we work with our president on a 24-7 basis. We know them well, they know us, and we are able to pass on vital information. And when you come to my country with your president, then you come on the understanding that we are in charge ultimately of their security, but we understand that you work with them 24-7. So Izandla Zergezana, as the Zulus say, um, hands wash one another. So reciprocity, mutual respect, and mutual consent, um, 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 consultation are the principles upon which any Uh, official visit happens. So that's the first thing I I want to say. So to your question, when we travel abroad with our president, and remember, I've been out of the game um, on that level, Stephen, for over 30 years or almost 30 years, because I finished up in 99 on the very day that Madiba worked his last day in office, which was the 16th of June, 99. Okay, so I've over-exaggerated it slightly. It's more like 24 years. But in the time that I served uh, Madiba, all of the arrangements that I've just tried to describe were made through DERCO. And in those days, it was still called the Department of Foreign Affairs. So we as the PPU, the Presidential Protection Unit, we would communicate to our contact person at Foreign Affairs and say, okay, on this visit with the president, so-and-so are traveling. There's um, this number of of, uh, protection officers going. Um, so many of them will go in advance to do all of the planning and -and so-and-so will travel with the president and we will bring X number of firearms. These are the serial numbers and we would report all of that in good time through the Department of Foreign Affairs. They then, of course, send that to the embassy or high commission, the South African embassy or South African high commission of the country that we're visiting. And our high commission or embassy there will ensure that the relevant authorities approve uh, bringing those weapons. So that's that's how it worked in my day. I cannot see why or how it should have changed, Stephen, but I can only speak to what I know. Does a lot depend on the relationship between the two countries? So if they're allies, if they want the same thing, you know, then it, is it easier? And if they don't want the same thing, can they make it a little difficult? Well, I would be speculating. Um, I think it's fair to say 
that irrespective of whether they are allies or not so allies, um, there is always an understanding that if you're a diplomat or if you're in the foreign affairs service or, you know, um, uh, foreign relations service, that irrespective, you put your personal preferences aside and you do your job as a professional. I think it's fair to say that. Okay, I'm with you now. Um, does it, so, so, and working out how many people you take, how do you do that? That must be quite an assessment. And, and each sort of trip would probably be very different. Yeah, um, pretty much. Uh, there was a kind of standard model that we would follow, and it, were, and it looked like this. And I'm, I must say up front, Stephen, I'm not going to mention numbers because out of respect for my colleagues in the PPU that still protect um, our leaders, I'm not going to mention numbers. That would be potentially giving away um, information that could be used against them. So we're not going to talk about numbers, but we're going to talk about processes and procedures. So typically a planning officer who is a senior officer in the PPU would leave on his own or her own and go go across to that country and work with whichever agency or police force or police service is responsible for protecting visiting heads of state or government and compile a planning document. Now, based on that planning document, which would include the number of days in country, the different venues that the president would visit, and a whole bunch of, of things you can, you know, you can imagine um, what we would look for, then a an advanced team would be put together. And that would be um, any number of our protectors. And they go over there, as I said, understanding that they're going to work with that country's uh, protection personnel. And we're going to jointly keep our our president safe and then um certainly in madiba's day it was a very small aircraft one person would fly across with uh, with the president um and that's how we would and that's how we would do it and all of that was done in good time and uh there was only one instance where we had to kind of scramble because you know things happen leaders mm. die and there are funerals um there are uh natural disasters and calamities that bring upon a visit that is unscheduled but being professional with the limited time that we have and through the processes that are embedded and are good we are able to put together you know such an operation in 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 even a short time but ideally we wouldn't we would need a number of weeks this was a war zone and the first time insofar as I know in the history of South Africa as a nation state that a head of state was going into a war zone it must have been a unique circumstance yeah, and I'm not a politician, um, and uh, you know, although I, I follow, I believe I follow current affairs closely. I think that's correct. Certainly, in my experience, I've never worked on any such visit where we've headed to a war zone. But Stephen, even more so, then, if you're going to a war zone with your leader, you need local knowledge is king. We can be the best at what we do. We can be the best. Uh, VIP or presidential protection unit on the planet, but we cannot do in Kinshasa or in London or in uh, Seoul, in Korea, what we can do in Pretoria or Cape Town. We just can't. We need local knowledge and local expertise of those people. Similarly with special forces. I mean, our special task force of the South African police, they stack up against any urban terror unit in the world. Our special forces of our military are well-trained, highly competent people, but they do not, they cannot work as effectively 
abroad as they can here, purely because they don't know the lie of the land. And I use that um, euphemism intentionally. So even more so, if you're going to a war zone, you need to depend on your hosts because they know what's going on. Their intelligence is reporting where the battle is the fiercest and so on. So um, I wasn't there on this visit, so therefore I, I cannot comment as an eyewitness. But uh, those are the principles that, um, you know, that are, are, are not debatable. Rory Stain, thank you very much indeed. Really do appreciate the insight. Security analyst, and as you heard, former chief of security for former President Nelson Mandela, 19 minutes after 7.